Hello and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I'm your host Tyler Callahan and we actually got a lot of news this week. From the box office numbers, the film updates, the Paramount doing a whole bunch of announcements. Let's get started with the numbers. Just a quick note on the top 5 with Valentine's Day on a Monday. The numbers will be in a 4 day format to include it. Opening in first place is Death on the Nile with 15.5 million. Opening in second place was Marry Me with 10.9 million. Third place was Jackass Forever with 9.7 million for a total now of 39.2 million. Fourth place was Spider-Man No Way Home with 9.1 million for a total of 760.9 million. Fifth place was Scream with 3.9 million for a total of 74.2 million. So the weekend was quiet even with two new releases, but that was to be expected thanks to the Super Bowl. Death on the Nile did okay. Not great, but not bad. It had a reported budget of 90 million, so this will be a film that releases it has a reported budget of 90 million. So this will be a film that relies more on international numbers a bit more. But hey, at least for Disney, it ain't no last duel, so they should be happy about that. Marry Me, on the other hand, looks like it would be a small win for Universal and for Comcast as a whole. The reported budget of the film was only $23 million, not including marketing, and it's almost halfway there, not including international numbers. Now, yes, it would normally have to hit at least $50 million to make a profit just on box office alone, but what makes this a small success is it's still making this much while being available on Peacock. But to be fair... When you only have 9 million paying subscribers, I guess it really doesn't affect the box office much. Also for No Way Home, it has just passed Avatar domestically on Monday, so it is now the third highest film ever domestically. It will be staying there for now, as second place is Avengers Endgame with 858 million. But still, for Sony and Marvel Studios, third place all time while coming out during a surge in the pandemic, that's one for the history books. For China, not much has changed since the new year. Staying in first place is the Battle at Lake Chenjin 2 with 43.7 million for a total now of 527.4 million. In second place is Too Cool to Kill with 37.7 million for a total of 321.4 million. Third place is Nice View with 21.8 million for a total of 162 million. Fourth place is Boonie Bears Back to Earth with a 14 million for a total of 127.9 million. Finally, in fifth place is Sharpshooters with 11.4 million for a total of 69.7 million. So yeah, it looks like there will be no upset here like last year when High Mom came out of nowhere. Too Cool to Kill is still doing really good, but at this point Lake Changin 2 needs to just straight up collapse for it to surpass it, which looks like will not happen. In a surprising move for the Chinese box office, the government has approved two more Hollywood films. The first is Uncharted, which has been approved and will come out March 14th. And the second, which is The Batman, which will be coming out March 18th. This is great news for Warner Brothers, as it would almost guarantee a minimum of a billion dollars for the film. And for China, it shows that they're still open to approving big Hollywood films, just maybe not Marvel ones. For worldwide numbers, we are actually taking a look at Uncharted first, which was released in a few countries ahead of its domestic release next weekend. With it being released in 15 markets, it made 21.5 million. Some of these markets include the UK, Spain, and Russia. Death on the Nile made 20.7 internationally for a worldwide opening weekend of 36.2 million. 
Marry Me made $8.5 million for a worldwide opening weekend of $19.4 million worldwide. Again, solid numbers for the film, thanks to the lower budget. Jackass Forever made $2.7 million for a worldwide total of $47.4 million. A quick note, Dune, after being nominated for multiple Oscars, has now passed $400 million worldwide. And then finally, Spider-Man No Way Home made $11 million for a worldwide total now of $1.804 billion. So the biggest news in Hollywood this week was from Viacom CBS, where besides their quarterly earnings, they had a lot of announcements both theatrical and for streaming. I won't go over every single one, as that would take forever, but let's talk about some of the big ones. First, uh, they're not calling themselves a Viacom CBS anymore. Going forward, the company will be called Paramount. The purpose of the change, they said, is to use an iconic name as they focus more on a worldwide audience. And you know what? It's 100% the right move. People around the world know of Paramount thanks to Paramount Pictures. But if you were to ask people in, say, Europe or Asia, hey, you know what Viacom is? Nope. So yeah, this is the right move since their streaming service is called Paramount+. And oh, the historic studio is also called Paramount. Now, as for movie announcements. Well, the biggest theatrical one was that the J.J. Abrams Star Trek crew is coming back. Set to start filming by the end of the year, the returning cast includes Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, Simon Pegg, Zoe Zeldana, and Carl Urban. J.J. Abrams will be on board as a producer, with Matt uh, Shackman directing. If you don't know him, he directed WandaVision. Now, I'm glad Paramount is giving this version of Star Trek another chance. Overall, I enjoyed the films, and it looks like Paramount has done market research that shows there are a lot of people like me out there that enjoyed the films. And while Star Trek Beyond did lose money for the studio, I'd say that was more on the budget being too big. If they keep this one around $120 million, it should be an easy win for them. Paramount also gave an update on the Quiet Place franchise, the spin-off film being directed by Michael Sarnowski, set to come out September 22nd, 2023, while A Quiet Place Part 3 will come out in 2025. For the third film to be around three years away does seem like a long time, but thanks to the pandemic, the wait from one to two was actually three years, so it's not too surprising. Also, the spin-off movie will help fans pass the time. Before moving on to the rest of news from Hollywood, Paramount also gave updates on some other franchises. Sonic the Hedgehog 3 has already been greenlit ahead of the release of the sequel in two months. Besides that, the studio is developing a TV series focused on Knuckles for Paramount+. Plus. Oh, and in case anyone was worried about Transformers, don't worry. Paramount's got you covered. The next film in the franchise, Rise of the Beasts, is going to be the start of a new trilogy of films. And assuming it succeeds at the box office. But, yeah, assuming it succeeds at the box office, they have plans to do more. That's not the most surprising news. We got a small update on the animated Lord of the Rings film from Warner Brothers, thanks to Variety. The film is now set to come out April 12th, 2024, and will be set 200 years before the events of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings, and focus on the creation of Helm's Deep. This is a film that stands out to me because the live-action films are ingrained in everyone's mind, so how close is the animation style going to look like that? I feel it can't stray too far away, or it's going to turn people away from it, but we'll see. Uh, Universal has announced a new live-action CGI film called Strays. The film is about a dog who tries to get revenge on his owner who ditched him. Uh, the cast includes Will Ferrell, Jamie Foxx, Will Forte, and will come out June 9th, 2023. Funny enough, this is the same weekend when Rise of the Beast is set to come out. This is one of those films that could easily be really good or be complete shit. 
Like on paper, this sounds like a bomb in the making. Obviously, we'll not be able to tell that until we actually see what it looks like. For Warner Brothers, it looks like they're going to try and keep John Cena at the studio for as long as they can. Besides Peacemaker, John Cena has signed on to do Looney Tunes live-action CGI film Coyote vs. Acme, where he'll be playing the CEO of the company. It'll be directed by Dave Green, produced by James Gunn, and Chris DeFarla, and is scheduled to come out July 21st, 2023. As a fan of the Coyote when I was a kid, I'm in love with this idea for, for the film, and with how many times the equipment has failed him, it only makes sense that you want to take him to court. I just hope, I hope, it is better than Space Jam and New Legacy. Also, for Warner Brothers, continuing from the lawsuit filed last week by Village Roadshow, the studio has filed a response to it in a court filing that they are claiming that they never guaranteed Matrix Resurrections would get an exclusive release. And not only that, Village Roadshow also still owes $112.5 million in expenses for the film. Village Roadshow did respond to this claim of them owing over $100 million, saying that they could not afford to pay that as Warner Brothers has, quote, gutted the value of the film, end quote. This case is going to get real ugly. As for what is next, well, there is a hearing set for March 11th, and the judge at some point will decide if this case will move into arbitration or not. For new trailers this week, we got one for Downton Abbey, A New Era, and from the Super Bowl, a new trailer for Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. That trailer seemed to spoil a lot, but Marvel is usually good at hiding them. Which makes me think, how much are they hiding? There must be a lot if this trailer already feels kind of spoilery. But anyway, it looks great, and I can't wait for it. There was a lot of news this week in Hollywood, and this includes VOD Premium. Let's get started with Netflix, where they announced that they are making a Bioshock film. Specifically, Vertical Entertainment and Take-Two, the owner of the franchise, will produce the movie for Netflix. Nothing else is confirmed at the moment, so it looks like it will be a while before it comes out. This is actually the second attempt at making a Bioshock film, the first being from Universal back in 2009. But the budget got too big, and they cancelled it. I would say for this to work, Netflix needs to commit to spending more money toward it. Which I think they will, but you also need the right director for it. Off the top of my head, I'd say Del Toro would be a good pick, and should be in consideration if he is interested. Moving to HBO Max, where they are coming in swinging after the Oscar nominations, Deadline has the exclusive on this, and that is that they have bought the streaming rights to Drive My Car. The Japanese film was nominated for numerous awards, including Best Picture, but right now in America, if you want to see it, it's only in around 200 theaters. Well, HBO Max is going to fix that, as the film will premiere on the service March 2nd. As someone who has been wanting to watch the film, I was happy hearing the news because I was wondering if the film would even get a wide release. And while I would much prefer to watch it in theaters, if I have to watch it via streaming, I will. Got one small update for Hulu, and that is Disney's moving the 20th century film Deep Water 2. The film starring Ben Affleck and Anna de Arms was meant to come out last year, theatrically, but was pulled from release and we've heard nothing since. Well, now it's going to Hulu. The studio released a teaser for it, and out of nowhere, already gave it a release date, March 18th. Now, the fact that they are doing this as a release strategy means the film likely sucks. But hey, for Hulu, they can add another exclusive 20th century film to the service. I feel though, for this to get decent views, they need to market it hard, like on social media, that it stars the two leads. Because I watched the teaser, and it ain't great. <laughs> just from the teaser alone, you're not selling me on the film. So, just advertise Ben Affleck's in it, Anna De Arms is in it, and just, that's it. That, that's all you can do with this film. Now we finish with Paramount, where they had a bunch of updates and announcements, thanks to them hosting their Investor Day. 
First, the numbers. By the end of 2021, the company overall gained 9.4 million subscribers, with 7.3 million being Paramount Plus and the rest being Showtime. Overall, between the two services, the company now has 56 million subscribers. I will say number-wise, Paramount is now doing actually really well and is starting to become a solid fourth option in a streaming war. So how are they going to continue their momentum? Well, they are making a smart move of starting to integrate Showtime content into Paramount+. Plus but it looks like they'll be doing it slowly. Here's what Tom Ryan, the president and chief executive officer of streaming at the company said, quote, our existing bundle of Paramount Plus and Showtime has performed very well out of the gate. That's because users can access two premium content offerings, which streamline signup, but viewed in distinct apps. Starting this summer, we're making Showtime even easier to access in one app experience, end quote. And why I said they are doing it slowly is that while they will be launching this this summer, they also have said that Showtime service will still be available standalone. Still, this is a great move for the company to get more subscribers, and this isn't a knock on Showtime. They have some good content. But as other companies start to get merged or be bought out, Paramount needs to shore up its main service, which is Paramount+. Plus. Another move that the company is doing to strengthen their service is moving all of their films to it permanently. They also announced that in 2024, Paramount Plus will be the exclusive home for all of their films. This shows that they have a lot of faith in the service, as they will be letting current contracts with other streaming services to expire and not renew. This is also a solid move, and kind of makes Comcast and Peacock stand out as the main service that still license out their films for periods of time. Sony doesn't count because they do not have their own service. Looking ahead internationally, they announced that they will be launching Paramount Plus in France at the end of the year. It'll be available via Canal Plus, a major TV service provider in the country, and will be a part of the Cine Series package. This package is already huge as it includes content from Disney Plus and Netflix. Also, if you are in France, don't worry about Showtime, as their content will be included with Paramount Plus. Now, while customers in France will only be able to get the service from Canal, they will be able to log into the app anywhere and stream content. For people in America, think of it like using your cable credentials to sign into HBO. Besides the Knuckles film series that was announced, the other announcement for the service was a new Blue's Clues film. Called Blue's Big City Adventure, the live-action CGI film will star Blue and all three hosts. So basically, Blue's No Way Home. I'm not sure how good the film will be, but Paramount is smart as hell, cashing in on nostalgia for Blue and Steve, and if they can get people in the door and stay subscribed, then mission accomplished. And that'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. There was a lot to go over, so the question for the episode is, are you excited for Paramount's future or not? Let me know on Facebook, link to the pages in the show notes. Thank you for listening, and see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>